you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL podcast is a room full of bozos. How dare you? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head and Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room that's filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler to my left, Greg Rosenthal to my right. What is up, boys? Hey! Hey! A little bit to talk about today. We, uh, we're, we're just recovering right now, I think, Love from it. an incredible day of uh, action. Yeah, first day of the Australian Open is an exciting <laughs> really, day in yes. every sports fan's life. Yes. <laughs> what a time. You always knew like exactly where you were in your life when you first became exposed to the Australian Open. For me, it was today in the newsroom when Greg said it was something that exists. Yeah, and for me, seconds after you were first exposed to it, but I would say it's unbridled uh, passion and joy around the event. The other thing going on in the sporting world is divisional round weekend. And uh, in our last show, um, I, I offered the, the uh, viewpoint, which I think is shared by many, that divisional round football is the best football weekend of the year because you got eight teams. In most cases, almost all of them are qualified to be there. Now, that wasn't quite the case this year, and we, we, did, we shepherded it out uh, some of the riffraff uh, as we head towards championship weekend. But what we did get uh, was, I would say, one good game, one terrible game, one great game, and one absolute stone-cold classic. Is that fair, Greg, in that order? I think that that's all fair, although the Steelers-Jaguars game, which I assume is your the third one you mentioned there, great I mean, that's a, that's a classic game on its own right. That's a lead story. That's a so much happened in that game that that would be the story of the weekend in almost any other situation, and it certainly felt like the story of the weekend when it's 17 nothing Vikings, and they're going on a seven-minute drive to start the second half, and half the newsroom's falling asleep, but the Saints and the Vikings had a little something extra for us. Well, we were talking about that Saints-Vikings game. Is at halftime, if you're one of these guys at the sports bar, right. you get in your car and you go home because you, know, you win a little bit. You get to sleep a little bit earlier, and the game was putting people to sleep. Nothing, nothing could have been farther from the truth. I mean, and it was 
uh, and we're going to get to all four games. I need to rewatch it. I really yeah. So do I. It feels like I've, we just dealt with a tidal wave of um, of events and details. So <laughs> so we're we're yeah we're trying to process it all. Even Case Keenum himself, the winning quarterback for the Vikings, uh, when he was interviewed immediately after the game. Was, tr- was having trouble even processing the questions and, and understanding what exactly had just transpired. It was that type of game between the Vikings and Saints. Uh, so, yeah, we, we are all set for the final four in the NFL. Uh, but this is how we got there. And, yeah, sometimes we like to go in order, chronological order. Nah. But one of the best games in NFL history caps the weekend. That is where we start in Minnesota. Let's go, Fulton. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, loose. my God. 30. No 10. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's a Minneapolis miracle. Step on Diggs. And the Minnesota Vikings have walked up on the New Orleans Saints. It's a 61-yard Uh, there you go. Wow. And, and Lindsay just uh, hit me up on our instant messaging client. I could trim this down if you want. No. no. I could have listened to another 20 minutes of no. that uh, because that was one of the more memorable plays you'll ever see. Case Keenum with seconds to play uh, completed completed a pass to Stefan Diggs who got away from Marcus Williams who took an in unforgivable, at least uh, for Saints fans, angle on the play, the safety, uh, and Diggs took it to the house untouched for a 61-yard touchdown as time expired, giving the Vikings a 29-24 win over the Saints that sends the Vikings back to the NFC Championship game for the first time since Brett Favre took them there in the 2009 season. And this was, Greg, one of the great games ever, as we said, especially, I mean, at least the playoffs. But uh, when you get to the crucible, uh, everything goes up a notch. A game, Greg, where there were four lead changes in the last three minutes in one second. But it is that last play to Diggs that everyone will remember. It's almost like people have too much of a bias against recency bias. I tweeted something very you know, banal saying there's never, ever been a finish like banal. that. Banal. It's banal. Ever. <laughs> And uh, I've got a ton of responses of like, oh, you forget the Super Bowl. Oh, you forget that. No, this was totally different. Literally, there's never been a walk-off touchdown to end a game in regulation in playoff history, much less a walk-off touchdown for 61 yards after the best defense in the league gave up a 17-point lead and two scoring drives in the final three minutes. There's never been a game where there's four lead changes in the final 3-0-1, where both fans are just going wild, but especially the Vikings fans who have been so tortured over their history 
to watch this happen in their stadium with 10 seconds left and at that point believe there's almost no hope and to have a play like that happen where even within the play, you thought a bunch of different things. Is he going to get tackled in bounds? Did he step out of bounds? Like, what? Are they going to kick a field goal? No, there's never been a game like that. We don't need history to to wait and find out. It's, a, it's an unbelievable instant classic. This was the game where we, we lost a bunch of teams this week and the week before, and it's a long season that is suddenly over for the loser. But I was watching the Vikings the last couple minutes thinking, when are we ever going to see a Vikings team like this get back to this place where – This team seems so impenetrable, so balanced, and the first half had you thinking they're going to ride right into the Super Bowl and they're going to play in their home stadium, and then suddenly it looked like every other Vikings playoff story, the snake-bitten, charmless, destruction narrative, which I honestly, you have a great friend, Dan, who's a Vikings fan. I have one, Eric Sayers, who loves listening to this show. And I just thought of these guys thinking this is the ugliest, cruelest fate. And for it to end the way it did, Saints fans are wonderful, but I couldn't be happier for this Vikings fan base. It was the most improbable, strange, beautiful ending to a football game I've ever watched. You just, you hope now, uh, because I think the Vikings, for a lot of people, are kind of a sentimental favorite now as we head towards no uh, doubt. To the Final Four. In fact, we have three great stories now heading into the last weekend before the Super Bowl and the Patriots. And if you give me any of these other three stories, three teams that, have, have they won Super Bowls? Any of the other three teams? Am I blanking right now? Not Minnesota. Not the Jaguars, uh, not the Eagles, not the Eagles, and then you have the Patriots who have won five Super Bowls and been. But to in a way, that makes others. it almost the better story that they are the foil. They are the greatest. Sure, as long as they don't win, it's NFL the perfect foil. You, yeah. you have your perfect foil. You, it's yep. a great setup. You're right, and I think uh, we'll see if the Pats get by Blake Bortles at home next weekend. But we'll see how it all plays out. But you really would love to see one of these. Uh, snake-bitten organizations get over the hump, and if it's getting over the hump at the Patriots' expense, now that's great drama. Um, but this game had it all, and yeah, it was 17 nothing. correct? Yes. At the half, and uh, you get the feeling that when Ka- Kai Forbath lines up for a 53-yard field goal, uh, and Kai's Kai. Let's, you know, that's one thing we know. It's that's right. one thing we learned today without yeah. a doubt. Kai's Kai. Yeah, a lot of people seem to, uh, you got a lot of feedback on that. I on got... That. Pr- Easily over 100 uh, <laughs> mentions at Kai's Kai. And then I sent it to my wife, um, who, as the story goes, uh, we were at the hospital uh, before my first son was born. And this nurse had a connection to Kai. And she said to me after I sent her a screen grab of all my mentions, my wife, she said, can you even imagine if the nurse saw this? Like, it would be, it would blow her mind. Like, I told you this offhanded story and now all these tweets. But Kai drills a 53-yarder onions and the game's not even close to over at that point. 129 left at that point. It, it, it's just amazing how the game twisted and turned and it just looked like the Saints weren't even going to compete. And, and then the game, it was like two totally different games. Well, let, let's start First and, and second, like half. move our way backwards. Marcus Williams had a great rookie season for the Saints. Practically played every snap at a position where you can be exposed and make a lot of mistakes, often as the deep safety on the play. It was a big part of why they had such a rookie class. If ever there's kind of a snapshot of sports, as you like to say, Dan, just like sports. Sports. It's it's this Marcus Williams game. He started this comeback. He was the guy who made a leaping interception to pick to take Case Keenum's flutter ball away 
when it was 17 to 7 at that point and that was the first moment everyone in Minnesota and everyone in New Orleans thought oh my god maybe this can happen this rookie safety it just made a play. Maybe he would have been an afterthought, but in his mind, that would have been one of the most amazing moments in a young man's career. And then you get to a situation where I don't. The theory is that he was trying to avoid a penalty on the plate. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if he's totally going to explain that or not. I also noticed, you know, he was trying to tackle in theory Stefan Diggs in a way that would keep him in bounds, and right. maybe that just is, and the game is partly how he. Missed it. It was it was sort of just it was just an inexplicable moment, and now that's gonna be with him for well, the rest of his life, no matter what else. Well, his it, earlier heroics are lost, and so was a second half by Drew Brees that would have gone down as one of the performances of the ages. Marcus Williams, who uh, on NFL Network, Deion Sanders, who I, I'll give it to Deion for keeping it real, not sugarcoating it, but I thought that uh, he made a point about Marcus Williams, which is. In the, in the playoffs, this is where they separate the dogs and the cats. And Marcus Williams, he basically exposed himself as a cat because with the game on the line, you have to be aggressive to succeed in this sport. You have to approach that play in a non-passive way. And that is, they'll be, you don't want to be the, the teaching uh, tool for people how to not play that situation. It made me think of Raheem Moore in Denver uh, five or six years ago on the Joe Flacco to Jacoby Jones touchdown. It was crushing. And you said Drew Brees, Mark, like, let's not lose how well he played in this game in the second half. And seeing him walk off the field, he's 39 now. He turns right. 39 tomorrow. Who knows tomorrow. if they get another Does team? he ever get right. this close? No, I, it, 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 and we spend all our time talking about the age attached to Tom Brady. This is someone who's months younger than Tom Brady and is playing at an incredibly high level. And his contract is running out. What happens to this team? I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces for the Saints. He should be back. We, oh, I we think he would be, be, but it's just if he wasn't. As much as losing the Vikings this in a cruel way today, you feel the same way for the Saints because they've been one of the most exciting teams to watch. They've been the most transformative team in the entire NFC to go from a team no one believed in and eight and eight has been to what they accomplished this season. This was a cruel way I, to go. I out. mean, the, if you think about what had just happened in the final three minutes, Breeze with a gorgeous pass to Kamara to to take the lead at 21-20. I mean, just like the the young, exciting Saints players stepping up. Kamara, Michael Thomas had big moments. The 4th and 10 pass from Drew Brees, which is just one of the most ice-cold throws you ever could have to Willie Sneed on the sideline. I mean, that's a play that Minnesota thought that they were going to be seeing in their dreams. And then you think from a Saints perspective of just the little things that could have been different. You choose to run the ball on third and one. It, it's hard to second guess that. I, I'm sure Sean Payton will think about it. Should I have decided to let Drew Brees maybe throw the ball on that play and really just keep... Which play is this again? The third and one play, 29 seconds left. They decide to run the ball up the middle with Kamara. To set up the field goal. Which is right. the percentage right. play. You're trying to get the first down, but worst case scenario, you force the Vikings to take a timeout. But the Saints are such a go-for-broke team all the time. I thought they might go play action there so that they can keep the ball, not leave any time left, and, and get a little closer for that field goal. That doesn't happen. Uh, they get great pass rush pressure on the Vikings' drive. Uh, but on that last play, the Vikings' offensive line, which really was struggling in the fourth quarter, the Saints' pass rush was better than the Vikings' yeah. pass rush. They held up on that last play for Keenum, gave him plenty of time, great protection, and he made a good we'll Talk play. about a lost moment. The <laughs> Willie Sneed option pass to Alvin <laughs> right. Kamara, where had it been... 
maybe a little, about a yard and a half, two yards closer, it would have been an absolute zip line touchdown. I think he would have scored. There was a safety hanging yeah. back there, but that's a lost opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, this the time didn't come into this game at the end the way that it necessarily would have, but Sean Payton had some bizarre challenges in this. I think that's one thing they have to review, how they decided to challenge two but plays you know that were rather mystical. The game's over. Like, after yeah. all that, after some uh, yeah. bad challenges. I don't like the kickoff. Play, I think you've got to hit the kickoff the short kickoff of the, the end zone. And all that. I know. And I and you could talk said about it at that. the time, too. Unless you think your kicker can't cough and corner it like yep. that. And you don't want to kick it out of bounds because that's a disaster. But after all that, this game should be over. And 99 times out of 100, it probably is. Oh, yeah. But absolutely. the football gods kind of intervened. And one guy, Case Keenum, that we cannot give enough credit to that he is now in the um, final four of the NFL, and uh, and he threw the pass. He, he wasn't perfect in this game. He threw that, that duck that was picked off, but once again made big throws and has a historic play in Vikings history. Here's what he had to say after the game. Tell me about the last play, desperation time to Diggs for the win. Yeah, man, I mean, it's, <laughs> I can't even explain it, man. I mean, we were in, definitely in desperation mode. Just tried to give my guy a chance, and Diggs made a heck of a play. Made a lot of plays today. Uh, you got to give our guys credit, man. We fought to the very end. And uh, that's special, man. That's that's one of the most special special times of my life. You had to be thinking just maybe a, a, a penalty, give me a, a chance at a field goal here at that situation, right? I mean, you were down to your last out. Yeah, we missed a few there early. We knew we needed to get a chunk. And then uh, we try to get into field goal range. But, uh, I mean, with last play, I mean, I, I don't even know what just happened, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, craziest he, he game doesn't, you've ever been in. This place is going crazy, and it's a special mark. You can cut it there. Uh, yeah, he he was kind of in another world, and you get it. Well, you're let, listen, Case Keenum, who I mean, I think a lot of people, if you're watching the games, your perception of Case Keenum has changed this entire season. But a guy that is just a simply a backup, a career backup until this season, this moment changed his life forever, and it changed Minnesota Vikings fandom forever. And, and no matter how you think of Keenum, like this game kind of confirmed or whatever you thought about him positively or negatively like you could think he got a little lucky with some of these throws but you could think when push came to shove I I was even more impressed by the field goal drive preceding this you know miracle touchdown when Keenum on I think it was third and long maybe it was second and long did a crazy sidestep maneuver that he didn't need to make just throws the ball (laughs) in a in a wild almost Ephus play, which is kind of his trademark rainbow. And when he throws it, you're thinking, what are you doing? And it just (laughs) falls in beautifully. And that was the key play that set up the go-ahead field goal. That was the play that really ended the drive. When that drive started, everyone was like, Okay, now we find out is Case Keenum for real? Like, is he is found he, out twice? And you find out twice. Yeah, uh, we heard uh, the call from Paul Allen and Pete uh, Bursich of KFXN, and that is obviously Lindsay. We're, we should cut that for the top ten calls. I don't know if year. it made the the list, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and maybe this is just Schadenfreude, 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 Schadenfreude. Uh, but let's hear the Saints call. Uh, oh. uh, of the same play. Here's Keenan dropping, looking, throwing near sideline, and it's caught by Stefan Diggs. He's going to take it inside the 15, 10, 5, touchdown on the final play of this game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Sports, man. Mm. One thing that both calls Jim tell you. Jim Henderson and McAllister, WWL. We're going to be there in a couple weeks, and we've been to some loud Super Bowl stadiums. This is going to be different. 
Well, well they got to win. It would I'm be not the most... saying I don't care who's there. The, the noise in that okay. stadium is insane. It would be how it would be anticlimactic if they lose to the Eagles after that. Fit. Just they'll bit. always have this moment. <laughs> got to win it, it. It still would be anticlimactic. The the last thing I'll say on this game, I think there was in in the fans of these teams could tell me it's crazy. It's it's obviously the biggest game. It's a divisional round game ever. But I feel like there's even a little bit extra knowing Nick Foles and the Eagles are on the other side of this game. That if you're a Saints fan or you're a Vikings fan, you're thinking, when we win this game, we're going to go to Philadelphia and win. It's not the normal situation where Which makes it a that normal much, one seed. That's no, what I mean. It makes it that much tougher for the Saints. It's Wow. So there you go. One of the great games ever. Probably the best game in the Around the NFL podcast. History? There's some Super Bowls. That we I think so. And let's not forget, this was our team of around yeah. the NFL last week, last Once year. Once upon a time. I, I mean, I think the 25-point the comeback in the Super Bowl by Brady is definitely in the mix. Well, it's, it's no, in the it's, mix. Dan, Dan, your interest aside, I, I'd have to agree. that was. We've seen <laughs> some classic Super Bowls. But this, mm. I, for the fan base attached to it, I'll never <laughs> forget this Give one. Give me a break. <laughs> You're like, eh. I like the the giant Patriots Super Bowls. I put those in the. Oh yeah, that sure was, those are real barn burners. Let, let's front move. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Let's move now on to Heinz Field, the early game on Sunday. Sorry, Saints fans. Oh. Play fake to Fred. They throw to the middle of the field, wide open for the touchdown. Tommy Bohannon, touchdown Jacksonville. They faked it. They snuck the fullback out. That's a touchdown for the Jaguars. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Frankie Frangie and Tony Baselli of. Uh, WJXL with the call. Leonard Fournette ran for 109 yards and three touchdowns. Blake Bortles, yeah, you know him, added 214 yards to the air, two touchdowns. I don't think he had a turnover. Look at you, Blake. Uh, and one of those touchdowns was a monster hookup to Jets legend to Tommy Bohannon. <laughs> and the Jacksonville Jaguars stunned the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers 45-42. to in Heinz Field, as I said, Mark, a game uh, in which the Pittsburgh Steelers, m- everyone, most of the football cognoscenti, just getting ready for Steelers-Patriots 2. But then the game started, and the Jaguars started whipping some ace. We were watching this, and I think within the first five or six minutes, we could tell, are you going to get last week's Jacksonville team, or are you going to get the one that pasted Pittsburgh in Week 5? You're going to get the second, because Pittsburgh could not handle their business on defense. Jacksonville came out of the gate with an eight-play, 66-yard drive in which Doug Marone went for it on fourth and one, total onions, fourth and goal from the one, when you could have kicked a field goal and sent it's Leonard Fournette diving into the end zone saying, you got to come after us, Pittsburgh. We're not going to come in here and let down. That was a huge play in the very game. Similar to, huge play very early. similar to Doug Peterson and the Eagles uh, going for fourth and goal at the one, and I think th- those moments... It set the tone. It, it changes those it games. It set the tone, and I really think... That I under, we'll get into it, but the one thing is everyone saying, bemoaning that we're not getting Steelers, New England. Pittsburgh had two chances this season to beat Jacksonville. Had they done it either time, they would have had home field advantage in their home stadium. stadium. You got to take care of business for us to buy into you as a Super Bowl team. Jacksonville is a strange operation. They are very weird, <laughs> but they are fun to watch, and they they earned this victory. That's what makes me so scared of next week. Is someone that a hates the Patriots and b loves what? competitive? Wait, play. you don't like the Patriots? They're not my favorite team, really. Okay. Oh. But uh, and b loves competitive football, especially in the Crucible once you get to Championship Weekend. Which Jags team is going to show up next weekend? Because we got the really good one this week. But if the Buffalo Bills team uh, that went last well, the week, the defense that was great showed, last week. 
Well, I'm saying if that team shows up, it's not going to be good enough in New England. But but for today's game, Greg, it was because every time Pittsburgh started to creep back into it, Jags always had an answer. Well, it, it's funny what you're saying about the Jags, which team is going to show up, and their their best games are so great. The, the numbers support it. Football Outsiders has almost not known what to do with the Jaguars all year. They have the biggest variance of any team just about ever because their great games are so great right. that they that they real but like the numbers say that they're a Super Bowl team. They're one of the Super Bowl favorites cuz teams that have great games that great, they're going to win in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but their down games truly are that down. I think we're going to see uh, a great Jaguars team because at this point, being able to come through like this on the road with your offense, that was the story. And the defense made big plays, and that can't be ignored. The turnovers that they forced, uh, I don't want to hear that they had a terrible day because they gave up 540 yards. It wasn't their best day, and they certainly would have liked to handle that 28-7 to lead a little better. But the fact that it was the offense in the end, especially in the fourth quarter, responding uh, great play calls by Nathaniel Hackett. Bortles doing what he needed to do. I mean, just look at the the people who are catching passes here. Keelan Cole, one catch. One huge catch. Yeldon led the team in receiving. Koyak, one huge catch. O'Shaughnessy, one huge catch. Bohannon, one huge catch. It was just like a little bit of this, enough running, some bigger plays on defense, and I think they got to go into to New England just feeling great. And they're a talented team. I, they're, the reason they, got, they, yeah. they win is because they have talent. They what? got crazy swagger also. They and really they, do. And they love, and they love to – when they win, they celebrate a win like nobody else in the league. And Blake Bortles, I feel good for Blake. I'm happy for Blake Bortles. Never met the man. Uh, I think I met him at one of those pre-draft things, and he looked 37 then, but that's beside the point. But for him to come out after all the trash talk on him and deliver a really solid game, even after as the Steelers were charging back and it felt like they were going to take over the game, Blake Bortles kept on making throws. And and speaking to that swagger and to the Blake Bortles criticism, here is... Uh, Malik Jackson, you're going to hear Calais Campbell first and then Malik Jackson coming in later in the locker locker room. The credit here to Alyssa Lang of First Coast Coast News. Swagger. He's a great leader. You know, he loves the game. He makes everybody prepared. And every time he's going out there, he's a true competitor. You know, he has a lot of heart. And um, people can tell him all they want to, but we know what he can do. And he proved it today. He's a dog. I want to know what Jarrell Casey has to say about him choking in big moments. While you sit at home and watch us next week. It's fair. Is that a Rick Who would have thought that the, the Titan, the Titans Jaguars rivalry <laughs> is heating up going into AFC Championship weekend? Well, giving New England a waltz through the AFC South to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, the one thing is, last time they played Big Ben, they forced him to 57 passes and five picks. This time around, we got a completely different Ben Roethlisberger. A couple big mistakes early on, a bad interception, huge the turn. strip sack. That, that really was on changed. him, too. The that was, too. Was that changed him. this game. But he threw four of the prettiest touchdown passes you will see all season. Five on the day, 469 yards, that one killer pick. But, I mean, I felt over and over watching this with you guys, I kept thinking at least five or six times, this was your Pittsburgh is going to win this game. There, well, I, if he you said, like, you said the, game over at one point when the, when the Steelers were down seven and didn't have the ball. You're like, game over. You missed over. a couple before that, too. This was, this was Mark's <laughs> Super Bowl. To give a little peek behind the curtain, you were living and dying as a <laughs> member Dan of Dan does not Duval like the County. Patriots. I do not like the Steelers as a Browns fan. And I lost any sense of, you know, I wrote the game up in, I hope, a professional manner. But, you know, I think at one point I whipped a pillow across the newsroom. I think 
It was like a peek behind the curtain. How about a peek behind the blinds? We sit in the corner of the newsroom, and after I think it was the fumble return for a touchdown. Yes, it was. To make it 28-7. Mark has a cute little pillow that he sits on to keep his hiney nice and warm. Well, there's his there's back okay. nice Wait, really? calibrated. I never knew it's, that. I had a, a, a blood <laughs> issue last year, and I was supposed to keep a leg elevated, and for some reason I've just okay. kept it on my seat. But. So Mark's cute little hiney pillow. He picked it up. <laughs> right, whatever. And it's a little weird it. right hiney pillow on the pillow. <laughs> yeah, that is strange. I he threw it against the blinds, and if anybody was really? sitting near us, it probably would have been like a head turning. Well, there point. was a management figure who <laughs> popped his head out of an office, but yes. Uh, but yeah, so that uh, wow, Mark that's, was that's, hyper-invested in this game. It and was I get fun. It. The good thing, though, this is the only thing you get, because I know you do liken it to my hatred of the Patriots. The Steelers end up losing a lot. Like the Patriots, the Patriots yes, are do. in their seventh straight AFC title game. For all the talk about this "quote unquote" Steelers Patriots rivalry, in the past seven years, the Steelers have only made it that far once, and 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 a lot more to pa- unpack with the Jags. But with the Steelers, where do they go from here after a loss like this, where their defense laid one of the biggest eggs you can imagine? I know Ryan Shazier is not there. Uh, but what an egg to lay when the offense was time and time again saying, hey, guys, let us take care of this game and steal this one and get to New England. But the defense just wasn't up to the task. One lesson for me is that we keep – and it, it, I, Greg, I always kill you for this, and I, I think it's just because we don't know how these seasons – today shows you how weird these seasons can be. But the idea that we're equating certain teams to be on New England's level or have – it. There really is only one Patriots, and the Steelers are a deep second place. And they and they, there is a fatal flaw that seems to creep up with 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 Pittsburgh every year to the point where with Dave Damashek crows about how the Steelers have had such a tough time, and you're like, whatever. I'd love right. to be a Steelers. We fan. still have glitter, by the way, in our floor here because uh, Shaq had glitter dumped on him for predicting thirteen and three this year. But in the end, he has a point because their seasons always end in these awful ways, outside of a couple Super Bowls here and there. Well, that's. But that's what happens to every team, essentially. I mean, that's what happens to the Packers uh, over right. the last seven or eight years. And you're right. The Steelers haven't always been there. Different AFC teams have taken turns. It's been the Colts. It's been the Broncos, the Ravens sometimes. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you're right, Dan. The numbers look great for Pittsburgh. But the two turnovers from Ben Roethlisberger were absolutely crucial and early in this game. And the two failed fourth downs that they went for, Crazy which whether it's calls. on the coaching or it's on the players, I guess especially the last one where they, they end up throwing the ball when Le'Veon Bell is having a very good game and they throw the ball on fourth and a half a yard. Like those are essentially offensive turnovers. So it, it to me, it's a team loss. And they, have, they had no pass rush and that really stood out. And that's why I kind of buy into what Tony Romo was selling Saturday night. Not when he told You're us. You're always buying what Tony Romo was selling. Well, not when he Fair told enough. us repeatedly, because I watched this, um, you know, disclaimer on the plane home. I was covering the game in Philadelphia, yes. didn't watch the game at all. So I watched it on Game Pass on the plane home. He sold for the first quarter and a half or so. Oh, that was annoying. Oh, this is going to be a great game. I'm telling you, people don't know what they're talking about. There's no way the Titans are not going to stay in this game because they are not physical. Shut up about and then and then of course it just went away. But he also really made the case that he thought the Jaguars not only would beat the Steelers, but that they were the team that could give the, the Patriots problems because of their unique matchup. And when you look at this Steelers defense, the way it finished the season without Shazier, I, I kind of buy into that because I, I, it's just hard for me to see this Steelers defense getting enough stops, whereas the Jaguars, I think they could. So you're saying yeah. uh, Tony Roma's right about 50% of the time, like the rest of us. Yeah. Everything's well, 50-50. Ultimately, ultimately. He wasn't right about the Titans. That um, was a weird hill that was, to really go hard on because it, it really it, went it was hard on it. driving me crazy when I was watching that game. But Big Ben, um, well, it right. looked like he would. Yeah, we'll, we'll you make a good it. point that – 
um, the two fourth down calls where it's hit, whether it's Haley or Tomlin or Big Ben, Big Ben's 6'5", 260, and one play they pitch it to the right for a three-yard loss, and then they uh, do try a deep cross that doesn't work out. But still, one of my favorite Big Ben games ever because it was just so chaotic and wild. I never saw Joe Namath play, but some of the guns He just cannot move, though. The Big Ben of old could scamper. So many crazy throws. The fact that he threw the ball 43 yards on fourth and five when he could have just it's run amazing. for it and the game was going to be over and Antonio Brown makes that play. I mean, this is a class. It's kind of, it really is. And sorry to step on yeah. your point, but just one quick thing is like, it is kind of a classic Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger game in the sense that you understood all of their individual brilliance and Le'Veon Bell's too, but ultimately the team kind of made enough boneheaded plays that it wasn't enough. And Either. here's, by the way, Big Ben um, is going to be back next season. Uh, he, he virtually or more or less confirmed it after the game. Here's what he had to say, uh, because as you remember last year at around this time, he didn't know if he was going to continue in the NFL. I definitely have a desire to play football. I love this game. I love these guys. Um, like I said, um, it's tough. It stings. Um, you hate to lose it. You hate to lose it at home. Um, I feel bad because I feel like I let the fans down, my teammates down. Um, and, and, you know, the fans, we gave them so much to enjoy and cheer for this year, but to lose this at home, um, I know that a lot of them, not a lot, there'll be some that say, it's okay, you know, we had a great season. Thanks for the, for the ride. But <laughs> a lot of them are disappointed like we are. It wasn't enough. I have sandwiches on Big Ben retiring, <laughs> so I'd like, to ha- I'd like to ask him to reconsider his line of thinking. <laughs> for more than one reason. Beyond that, I mean, the, I mean, the sandwiches being highly number one, the fact that he'd be out of the AFC North, a deep set. He, he's 35 years old, and we, all these quarterbacks are kind of rewriting what's the end of your career, but you also don't know how many chances. And to your point, what what's going to happen here? Le'Veon Bell is threatening retirement unless he gets a long-term contract. Don't really buy that. Uh, Todd Haley is reportedly going to be on his way out, the offensive coordinator. I don't know if that's good or bad. Apparently didn't really get along with Ben Roethlisberger, but they were awfully productive under Todd Haley, yeah. considering how unpopular Todd Haley apparently was with a lot of fans and players. So you're right. I think and there could the be a lot of changes. at bars in the area. Not totally popular. <laughs> well, at least one. one. One last aspect of the game. I feel like there's more to that story we still haven't heard. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, one more aspect of the story that, uh, of the game we should touch on was the decision, because he was criticized for it, Mike Tomlin opting to onside kick it with two minutes and about 20 se- seconds to play and two timeouts in, a po- in his pocket. I think some people said kick it deep there. He opts to onside kick it, and it goes worst-case scenario – because Chris Boswell, who once upon a time tried that, what's that called when you try to kick behind your leg in soccer? A vendetta or a vendetta? I'll go with Rubano. that. I'll go with Rubano. That. Rubano, I think it okay. is. got there. Oh. Maybe he got there. Uh, this time he kicks it five yards into his own player, and uh, that puts him at the 45 with the penalty for not going 10 yards. Then it's at the 40, and then the defense gives up nine and a half yards to set up the the Lombo field goal that ices the game. And, and that's Tomlin after, saying after the game, I, he, we hadn't stopped him all day. Like, yeah. we, we, we don't trust I get it. they just marched down and the And they field. gave up nine and a half. You know, they're lucky that they, that they were able to force Jacksonville to make a field goal essentially to win the game there because it, it very well could have been a first down. And that was a reminder. And the Jaguars... You know, we should give them uh, – their fans are loved. They have great fans, and this is their first AFC championship game since when? 99? 99. Um, and, and their offensive line, who I was taking shots at early in the week, had an incredible game. Fournette came out really strong. And for the, the defensive – even though they gave up a lot of plays, they also made a lot of plays. 
So there you go. That's the big game uh, at Heinz Field. And uh, one more note as we spin forward, Greg. Yeah. Tom Coughlin. He's ready to do a little bit more Tom Brady legacy wrecking. This this narrative. Mm. Break out the wrecking ball because Tommy Coughlin's coming up to Foxborough. So you like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not that upset about it. When the, they got a, ch- when they got a better chance. When that defense laid an egg the way they did, I was bummed because I think it would have been fun to see that rematch, but they played so poorly Ta- on defense. Yeah. Talent wins out, and that is the most talented defense we've seen. It's not about their scheme. It's not about some hot shot coordinator coming up with crazy blitzes. It's just like they are just great at every position. And I am Shout out I'm already Wash. sick. I'm sick of this Coughlin uh, bit. I bet oh, you are. Oh, oh you know, you're going to have to deal with it here's, all week. Here's the only reason why. He's the guy that's above the general manager. I mean, he's not having a huge <laughs> impact. For, he's not the one pick. I mean, I'm not saying. I don't know about I'm that. I'm not saying he didn't have an impact on the Jaguars organization this year. I don't think whatever Tom Coughlin does in the next week is really something that's going to impact this game. How about, how about this, guy? I don't know. You, you got to go through the Swiss cheese <laughs> AFC East, and now you're going to get two home games against the AFC South to get to the Super Bowl. You could eat a little bit of, you know. Bunk. I think this is a just a little bit of Tom Coughlin hype. Sure, I can I can eat that. They're playing one. Otherwise, of the, you're pretty blessed this postseason. Run. No, they're playing one of the great <laughs> defenses that we've seen, and we're, oh, yes. they're playing the second best Let's team calm in the down, AFC. Though. It's a weak year in the 500 AFC. Yards today. It's in theory, it's a weak year in the AFC overall. I'll definitely agree to that. But I, they're the second best team in the AFC. Who can really argue with? Well, the all I'd say though is you, the New England's experience does come into play. We're going to talk about that too because Jacksonville, they've never been here. Not these players, not these yeah. coaches. So We'll get to all that in the upcoming week. Let's now move on to the Saturday games, the game that kicked it off. Another surprise for many people. The game could ride on this. Ryan with Coleman to his left. Ryan rolls. Ryan pumps. Ryan is throwing it up in the air. Incomplete! Incomplete! And Taylor for Jones. Incomplete! And the Eagles take over on downs. With 58 seconds left. Merrill Reese, WIP, with the call. Yes, the Eagles delivered a last-minute goal line stand, thwarting a, a final Falcons play they knew was coming. It's 15-10 to 10 win uh, that advances the Eagles to their first NFC title game since Donovan McNabb was in town uh, back in the 2008 season. For the Falcons, there will be no atonement for last year's Super Bowl collapse. Only questions about what happened to their offense this season. Getting shut out in the second half in the Crucible. My God, Greg. The Eagles were counted out by the football cognizante (laughs) after losing Carson Wentz, but their defense and the everlasting power of home field advantage, which I think was huge in this game, humbled the doubters. Yeah, I I think home field was massive, and there are so many different – ways you can slice up this game because I think they were ultimately two evenly matched teams where a lot of weird stuff happened. I mean, the Eagles fumbled four times. There was a fake Hail Mary. There was a ball off of a knee that um, that falls through yes. that should have been intercepted that en- ended up being caught, and then, oh. <laughs> then the Eagles score three points off of that. There was a blocked punt in this game. I mean, it was it was a strange, cold-weather, windy game. But ultimately, it was down to one play. And it was it's very rare that going into that play, everyone knew it was that play. And the Eagles even took a timeout. And I, and I wrote about how my, Malcolm Jenkins, the, the safety, you know, gathered the team together to make sure they understood, like, this is the season. This is what we've been doing everything since April 4. And then when they line up for the play... 
both Jenkins and Rodney McLeod knew what was coming, that it was going to be a sprint right where Matt Ryan looked for Julio Jones. They said they practiced it three or four times on Thursday. They practiced it again at the walkthrough, but you still got to execute it. And that came down to Jalen Mills on Julio Jones. And Matt Ryan, I think, is going to be kicking himself for the first down throw to Julio Jones, which kind of got overlooked where Julio had a one-on-one situation and a better throw there maybe gets a touchdown. And then the fourth down play where Julio Jones ultimately slips, it gets physical, it doesn't happen. And I don't know. Like It's hard to read too much into it when it's all down to one play. And I don't want to pile on Steve Sarkeesian because he's gotten plenty of it this year. But I thought it was a terrible final series by him. I thought, all right, first down, that's fine. Uh, That was a good play call and a bad throw by Ryan, and I haven't seen anyone even mention that because it was one-on-one to Julio. I don't know what happened on on that little shovel or whatever the hell that That was. was. That was a terrible, weird play call. Matt Ryan, we've been talking about in this playoffs. We talked about it last year during his MVP season. He is one of the best in the league at surveying the field, looking through his progressions. They basically, and they mentioned the Eagles talked about this, they cut half the field off, put him on the run, which is really not playing to Ryan's strengths, and then made it Julio Jones or death. And Julio Jones, is he's going to the Hall of Fame, but has not been one of their better red zone, end zone guys. So, like, you kind of made it Julio or bust there. And I thought that Sarkeesian had a bad year. The Falcons had a bad year on offense, and that was kind of symbolic for me. And on the flip side, I thought Doug Peterson yeah. saved the team in the second half with an excellent series of game calls in in Nick Foles was the concern around Nick Foles started right away in this game but they he he was fine in the second half in terms of you're playing around him in general but two clock chewing drives that both field goal drives that I thought changed this game and you look at the box score and it doesn't look like Philly got anything done on the ground but in those two drives where they there they were a couple key runs where they kept they kept moving the sticks and they, their offense, you saw little hints of that ground game that was dominant at other stages. It just wasn't for the full game, but give it to Philly for using their strengths to get out of this one. That I couldn't agree more with everything you said there, starting with Peterson having a really good game play calling, starting the offensive line having an incredible game. I think that was probably the number one key for the Eagles, that Foles had no one near him. And if you're an NFL quarterback and no one's near you the whole game, and you've got a good play caller and a team that's per- trying to prevent the run, you're going to make those throws. And Foles missed some throws in the first half, but Peterson got him into open receivers, and that's what that's what coaching is supposed to be. I mean, that's Foles did his job. There were a couple plays that he made where he stepped up in the pocket and made a nice third-down throw, I remember, on one of the field goal drives. And the play at the end of the first half, and a lot of the Eagles in the locker room talked about that. They really felt like that was one of the big plays of the game where Foles hits Alshon Jeffrey on what was a high-level throw. Probably his best throw of the day to hit Jeffrey on about a 17-yard out into the sideline, and they hit the field goal going into halftime. And that, like... Foles did his job. He did not make any big mistakes. Even the the near interception was on a play where he got hit very quickly in the leg. And like, I, I'm not going to kill him for making that throw. How about Nick Foles? I, I mean, if Chris Wesley was here, he, he would bury Foles. And I get that too. He was. He was. I mean, he, he started very. He was. Shady. He was like the tenth reason they won. But he did his job. But he right? absolutely did his job. And I think you guys nailed it with Doug Peterson that. They realize what's going to work. How do we make this work with Nick Foles? And I don't know if it works next week against the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, but in this case where they were able to do this run pass option, 
uh, RPO now. Everybody's going to start saying like they, they're insiders in the league, but it was good to learn. I'll start using <laughs> it as well. A lot of RPO and uh, don't make them think. Just give them somebody to throw to and hit the throws. <laughs> it worked this week, and, and the Falcons, we spent a whole week talking up their defense. They were fine. They played well points. defensively. 15 points they gave up. You need your offense to go in there and get the job done, and they just could not do it. It's crazy that Foles, he threw the ball 30 times and had only seven incompletions. Mm-hmm. And yet I remember repeated disasters from him. But it was that second half where those two field goals drives ate up nearly 14 minutes. Right. Well, and there was even the first play of the game. Like that was the perfect way to, for it to start where Foles throws it up in the air. And it was very windy. And I do think the wind was a huge factor in the game. And the ball live looked like it got blown backwards and to the side. <laughs> but they end up getting throw. a 40-yard play on it. Then they fumble the next one. But there were, there were a lot of those sort of moments where things could have gone wrong for Foles uh, and they didn't. But when you have a great line, like that can cover up a lot of ills. And and I just wonder, like there, there are a few moments in this game where I just wonder what would have happened if, if, if different decisions were made. The first one being Doug Peterson wanted to go for it on fourth and one late in the game before they kicked the field goal to go up 15-10. He called the running play. The players in the locker room confirmed that. It was going to be a run to LeGarrette Blunt, but he took so long making up his mind to do it that they ran out of time, had to take a timeout, and then once he had all that time, he got indecisive again, still couldn't decide, and then decided to go for the field goal. Who knows? Maybe they would have picked up the first down. Maybe they would have won anyways, but I, I don't know. It's like those. there were so many of those little moments yeah. back and forth that could have changed. I it. remember on Thursday, I correctly, by the way, Called it a coin flip game, at nice least job. in my mind. Yeah, you and Wes both picked the Eagles, I believe, right? We did. I mean, I, although with no exceeding confidence. Well, but you it, did more than pick a oh, coin Oh, I forgot about that. You locked it up. You didn't forget no, it. No, I mean, I did, I did. during, I did. I did during this yeah. show, not during yesterday. Actually, I found myself, and this is how this, outside of the four of us, I'm not sure any humans truly care about this lock it up not thing. Not much. But I found myself, like, Rooting oh, are hard. Are you tracking on Twitter, by the way? People care about it. No, Twitter. they do. I was rooting hard for the Eagles because of the Lock It Up contest. So I did not forget yesterday, but I forgot during the show. But and come on, Lindsay. Oh, oh yeah, that was it's a lock. Fortunate for Dan. Lindsay, I need you to stay on top of these these lockups. Very important. We got a trophy hypothetically on the line here. We do have a trophy on the line here. Um, I have a great. I've lost six in a row. I'm, I'm gonna embrace that chaos. And I'm gonna. I will no spoilers, but I got a. I got somebody. One team in mind that the old Zeuser is gonna throw his lock behind in the championship weekend. I feel like you're gonna pick the Patriots I think in a way that you think you that's can't. Gotta put this. You can't out. ask me to lock, do a lock off again and pick, take. Some I, I can tell by your reaction. <laughs> At first, I was I gonna say, say you're gonna pick the Jaguars, but then I thought about it. No, I'm yeah. gonna use this evil for good to defeat evil. Before, wait, wait, let me just say, okay. I meant to say, because uh, I wish Wes was here. He's not able to make the show, but he did a great uh, write-up, and he had yeah, something really that write-up. really um, I thought was spot on by calling this like a victory out of the 1980s Bill Parcells game script, mm. which is what it was, which was don't the quarterback is not going to be some high flyer. It's not going to be Dan Marino in 88. You're going to have a more Phil Simms, Jeff Hostetler type attack Dink and dunk, take what the defense gives you, and then win the game in the trenches, win the game on special teams, win the game in time of possession, and that's how the Eagles won. I don't think the Eagles necessarily 
all due respect to the Eagles fans, were the better team ultimately with Nick Foles and Bob. But I think the home field advantage and the fact that they coached a, a better game I think was enough to take it home. I think it's a huge win for a coaching staff that was dismissed out of hand by some before the season. And, and Jim Schwartz is a big part of that too. Nigel Bradham after the game uh, was talking about one of his sacks, how it was a play. They didn't, it was a blitz. They didn't practice all week, hadn't done all season. And usually like those are parts of their packages, but Schwartz saw something and literally just explained it to him during, during the game said, Hey, I want you to do this ends up in a big time sack, a very similar, really well-timed sack uh, by the safety McLeod in that game. I think Schwartz, uh, had a really good game because I agree. I don't know if they were necessarily the better team. And and one final thing, just in, in case we're we're moving on. Mm. I watched this game after I got back to the hotel. Had a drink, humble break. Um, you know, with a, a good friend Matt Casey. Look at you. Look at that. Shout it's out fo- to Matt Football Casey. Night in America producer, big shot. And then I was back. I couldn't fall asleep. Started watching this game. And you're right. The run pass option stuff was going crazy. RPO, Paul, bro. And that's why I was like, why is this all over my timeline? But that that's why. <laughs> but I gotta say to the shadowy league figures. Uh oh. Oh, here we go. There we go. You gonna start talking about drugs again? No. Uh, okay. I work for the NFL. You know, yes. Roger Goodell talks about protecting the shield. Yep, a lot. at all costs. And it was probably, I think it was three thirty four in the morning when I'm I'm watching this. I don't remember two thirty in the morning. You got to look at who you're allowing to provide advertisements on some of these ad like blocks, late ad night block time. Yeah. NFL network games. They're replaying the game. I'm enjoying the, the <laughs> telecast, Collinsworth, all this stuff, and I. I was hit with some pretty risque material. Really, very risque. Hmm. I mean, I don't even want to say what what was going on, but it was. I would love to. It was creepy. Hint. How about a hint? In this climate, I don't even want to do that. Okay. Just well, I think you're. I, it's an unorthodox move by you. There's to a one eight hundred number. I'll say. That. All right. Well, I think I'll you've said that. enough. I mean, I whether that. it's three in the morning or three in the afternoon, NFL Network is a family. Uh, it's family <laughs> that's broadcasting. Let's please saying. remember that. So, how did the phone calls go? <laughs> Anyway, there you go. The Eagles move on, and congrats uh, to Connie Fox, who um, who I texted during the game, and she was a nervous wreck. Uh, that must have been a lot of fun. I've never really spent time in Philadelphia, mm. but people keep on saying Broad Street all the time. So I'll just say, probably a big party on Broad Street. Philly was rocking. I mean, the people. It was. Oh, you rocking. were there, Greg. It was rocking. The you know, I got in very late the night before. Um, you know, because I tried not to be the worst father ever leaving for Philadelphia on my son's third birthday. Yeah, so I like, stretched it out like oh, half the birthday. day. Got there very, okay. got there very late. Is Daddy ever coming back? But yeah, it was when I arrived there. I mean, it, it was. I think it was one in the morning. And I mean, the whole the city was on fire, on fire. And, and by the way, I texted, it'll be on fire next weekend. Too. I texted John Gonzalez uh, along with Colleen as as you did. But like uh, Gonzo's future prediction for the Eagles next week, not so sunny. Mm. <laughs> but it's always oh, and how about the shadowy? Speaking of the shadowy league figures, get Colleen Wolf a uh, credential here. She couldn't even get into the game. She's hosting two of your national programs on the weekend. How about you take some of that? Get her in there. Some of that ad. I revenue. saw some of that riffraff. Some that of the ad revenue. Take some of that ad some revenue from your one eight hundred numbers and get Connie in the building. How about that? <laughs> Actually, it's not even. It doesn't cost them any money. Just pick up the phone. Don't call the one eight hundred number. Call Howie Roseman's assistant. Be like, hey. Just a common courtesy to someone laboring on like seven or eight shows for the network. How about it? Um, all right. She couldn't get in. Just been jet lagged into oblivion for the shield. All right, let's calm down. 
And we got to we got to talk about the last game, which was actually the second game and was also the worst game. Second and goal to go. Gronkowski, the inside slot receiver left. It's a shovel pass. Got the it. white in motion to the left. Got He's going to sprint to the pylon. Then die for a touchdown. Patriots. That's the easiest touchdown pass Tom Brady ever threw. I was you were doing that voice. I was thinking of jumping in, and going like, "Too easy! That's too easy!" Every touchdown from Zolak. Hey, they, they, they're uh, making it easy. Uh, oh no! Too easy. All right. It's like that scene in uh, Billy Madison where uh, the O'Doyle is like, "O'Doyle rules," and then Billy Madison one day after O'Doyle puts all the manure in the locker, finally Billy Madison turns to the bully and goes, "O'Doyle, I got a feeling something really bad is going to happen to you." <laughs> That's how I feel about Scott Zolak, freaking Scott Zolak, and the rest of the Patriot Nation. Anyway, that that can wait because now we have to give you credit, Greg. James I don't White deserve any credit. Scored two touchdowns. He is a touchdown machine in the Crucible. And Tom Brady threw for 337 yards and three touchdowns as the New England Patriots rolled over the overmatched Tennessee Titans. on Saturday night. Yes, we're up to seven consecutive. I don't care. Come after me on Twitter. Titans fans all all sour. I mean, they have to be sour at their own team today, not you. We're up to seven consecutive AFC Championship game appearances on the throne of ease. Bully for them. All 35 of those Patriots points, by the way, came unanswered after the Titans exited the first quarter somehow with a 7-0 lead. Uh, Great pass from Mariota to Corey Davis. Tony Romo was feeling himself at that point, as we talked about earlier. But uh, Tennessee's offense was a non-factor the rest of the way. Matt Patricia's defense, Matt Patricia, soon to be the Lions head coach, kept Mariota in the pocket to predictably mundane results. And in true throne of ease uh, fashion, Mariota suffered a quad injury in the first quarter that apparently limited him and made them change their game plan Mm. in the game's final three quarters. But in any event, oh, right tackle Jack Conklin, who's a star, also blew out his knee. Torn ACL. Half, I'm sure that um, uh, was a bummer for the Titans. But at the end of the day, the better team won, and uh, no one, no one could be surprised because this was, on a, this was not a fair fight, Mark. No, and it's we pointed to New England's weakness of lacking a pass rush, and they have eight sacks. And you know their defense lets up massive amounts I of saw, yardage. I, they let they let up seven points all day. And what I do, I mean, New England. The reason that I, so I de- looked up from you know writing uh, my column or whatever and saw some Sessler subtweet about that. Like, oh wow, you yeah, know, like a really big it's not problem a subtweet with the because I, I openly I openly disagree with the idea that they're that the defense like is this big mess. They will let let up. So you are points to any does. team in the league. You the said that all year, weeks. and you're being proven right. I truly believe they're getting better, but continue. they're getting Sorry. better. I mean, I just the way that they shape shift on offense, and it's they've they've dealt with a lot of injuries on offense, and it doesn't matter. I don't mean this in a in a condescending way to the Patriots, but it's like whoever is out, they find someone else to fill in. Danny Amendola. A guy that has been lucky to make this team, having to take pay cuts year after year, leads the leads. Give him a pay raise. He should. Eleven catches. I thought I thought that White looked like the Super Bowl version of James White. Brandon Cooks had his plays. Rob Gronkowski was incredible. Deion Lewis was an utter star last night. They just have so many weapons that if we talk about Jacksonville. They're the big. They dealt with it today. They gave up 42 points to a team with a lot of weapons. They're going to face another one with just as many next week. Yeah, they they're going to put as much pressure in terms of defending as any 
team can on that Jaguars defense, and we'll get into that during the week. But the presence of White and Hogan sort of slipped under the radar going into the game, and they actually weren't overly productive. White got the two touchdowns, but between the two of them, you know, 45, 50 yards. But the difference is that's two more guys who know the system, who know exactly what Tom Brady's thinking, who defenses have to account for, and it just creates more problems in terms of covering Deion Lewis and Amon Dolan, and the and it takes the guys off the field like Philip Dorsett or Kenny Britt, who is heavily involved late in the season, uh, and some of the backup tight ends. It takes those guys off the field, and it puts on Super Bowl champions who who know this offense, and that's it's a pretty big deal. Like, it's a big yes. difference, and they got a great matchup with the Titans. I think if you played this game 10 times, the Patriots are probably going to win all 10. And, and we, that's where I buy into that. They definitely were fortunate, but they earned those breaks by winning those regular season games despite the injuries, by winning games like they did in Pittsburgh, by by finding a way to get that one seed, and that that's how you get your breaks. No doubt. The Steelers getting robbed on that. Yeah, I will not forget that. That was uh, I feel like the Steelers should have won the game, and kind about robbed, but yeah, okay. But my point is, they never got to play again, obviously, because the Steelers blew it today. But that still did have a huge effect because today could have been totally different with the Jaguars delivering the performance that we saw today up in Foxborough, and this and the Steelers. And I'm not even going to entertain it. It's like, oh, well, the Steelers were, you know, they could have gotten beat by anybody. No, the Titans did not belong in this round of the playoffs. And maybe they will down the line. Although, like we said last week, they might have got to get caught in a catch-22 here now. Now as we're hearing reports that Mike Malarkey is going to get an extension, is that really the best thing to be happening for this organization going forward? Everyone has an opinion. But they just were not – this was not a stage that the Titans, Mark, were anywhere close to be ready for. No, last week's win over the Chiefs was something to build on. And I think that they – Kind of they overshot by suddenly celebrating the coaching staff and making all these pronouncements, which wait a week because this was the acid test and it shows you how far they have to go. And but it also is like the type of game that the like it's like, okay, yeah, the Patriots are lucky they play the Titans, but it's because they are never the Chiefs. They are never the team that gives up the 21 3 right. lead to a bad team. Right. So it's like they, it's like, I don't know, you kind of can't have it both ways. Like, yeah, they beat up on the bad teams. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. I don't have a problem with New England. Taking out, they, they can't just. They, it's not their fault. They had to play the Titans. They took care of business. They they don't they don't stumble. They also the Patriots don't tweet like Le'Veon Bell before the game, guaranteeing that they're going to beat Team X, Y, and Z. They're very different organizations. <laughs> Shout yeah. out to the Jaguars Twitter handle, by the way, when they caught wind of a player on the Steelers talking about what a war it's going to be with the Patriots. Uh, how it doesn't matter where the game is played, it's going to be crazy. And then the Jaguars tweeted something along along lines of, "You could play the Patriots mm-hmm. all season, all off season on Madden." It's like, all right, fair play. <laughs> That's a good job. Fair play. They and- never got Derrick Henry going the way they did last week. I mean, twenty eight yards off twelve. Patriots carries. were committed to stopping. That's him. and that was they're just for all the options that New England has for Tom Brady. This is an offense in, t- in Tennessee that has a long way to go in terms of adding weapons and making them looking more multiple going into next season. And, they can't do this again. And they make their, their breaks. Romo was really strong talking about the difference between a Tom Brady audible and basically almost any other audible system in the league. That no no other quarterback is at the point. It's like having Belichick be a great quarterback. First of all, Tom Brady made a lot of great throws in this game and was one of his best games of the year. So the worry about him falling off, he, forget that. you definitely feel better watching this. He made some great throws. But a lot of it's just mental where he's 
motioning guys in a no huddle offense and audibling and doing so many sort of next level changes where he changes everything about the play because he sees something. It's like that Sean McVay story where everyone's excited that he's changing the play when he sees it with 20 seconds left. Well, except Brady's the guy who is the quarterback, and he's changing so many different things. And they're kind of next level, and Romo pointed this out, in the sense that they went no huddle early, and it didn't totally work right off the bat because they know the Titans only have four defensive linemen. And as the course of the game goes on, the Titans get tired. And those are the types of things other coaching staffs and other quarterbacks just aren't doing. This was... Yeah, Brady looked great. A very soft landing getting the Titans Absolutely. I would like to see what Brady's looking like uh, if the Jags defense comes to play and he has to move in the pocket and takes a couple shots, it will be that's that's the upshot like for me that that if the Jaguars it could be on their third up, string right tackle. Little Adrian Waddle uh, got hurt in this game and he already was their backup, so that's a, but this was perfect. Yeah. And the Patriots they did earn it. This they did yes get lucky with the Steelers and 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 winning that game, but ultimately. Everything's set up in a way to get the first seed, to end up, to get in a position where you get the bye and then get a home game. And then if some things work out in your favor, as they often seem to do, you got the Titans. <laughs> so now you got the Jaguars in your building. And we'll see if they go back to the Super Bowl and again. Sh- it's a good setup for him. There's no way around it. For shame, Mike Malarkey, of crying about the Eric Decker <laughs> pass interference. I, I was. You should pipe down. I was vaguely aware of what was going on in this game. And I thought this. You know, I was going to rewatch it, and it was going to be some, like, Titanic call, which, like, swung the balance of the game. It was 7-7 in the first quarter, and they're on their own 30-yard line, and it was a touch foul that they probably got wrong, but it happens all the time. There was a million other calls this weekend that were worse than that call, but because everyone hates the Patriots so much, they make a bigger deal out of it. That's very true. And some of the officiating was terrible, all, again, going to the Patriots way. And that gets people annoyed because people are sick of the Patriots. I get it. But uh, watching the game but in real time is be a man. how you watched it. I will yeah. say that. So mm. if you're in the moment watching that yeah, Decker play, it felt bigger because it was like it seemed like if they could if they started moving and had a positive drive coming off that Patriots touchdown, they were going to be maybe OK. But then once that uh, that uh, went the other direction, it's like but they, they would not 28, but they wouldn't have happened, at one though. point. The Patriots had right. more first downs like than the than the Titans oh, it had was plays grim. or something. It was a blowout yeah. for the of, of blowouts because it really when you get to the divisional round playoffs and by the start of the fourth quarter, like it's hard to keep your TV on. You know that a game has been dominated. I have to, one. It's very similar question. to the Tebow game and then the AFC Championship against the Colts. Yes. They've had some right. blowouts. In if five. you're Mike Malarkey, the 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 command is self reflection, not critiquing the officials going into the. Yeah, I agree here. with you. A real question. I don't think you're the right person to ask, really, Greg. But I'm wondering if, like, if you're a Patriots fan and say you're 35, 40 years old, 45 years old, you were born like 19. 19- 75 to 1985. I was 79. Okay. I'm in this range. Yeah. All right. It's a good uh, one for me. Are you really, do you get anything out of these games at this point? Oh, these type of playoff games? Do you get any rush from watching them? Or is it kind of the same as watching some game in November? No, you definitely get it. Because you don't sense it in that building. I can tell you that. I, I think you definitely do. Because the if anything, the playoffs are almost, that's all that matters on some level. There's just you don't get the rest so of the rest. many wins, regular season. Point. I to get their, it. So credit. it's only now that you get it, though, because it's not like in week eight. I get that this game was easy, and everyone assumed it was going to be easy. So it's maybe, yeah, it's a little different, but I think you, you get something. I there mean, you were a Yankees uncharted. fan throughout a pretty dominant stretch. And you know what? There was – it never lasted this long, but I can say, like, as a Yankee fan, when they were in their turn of the millennium dynasty era – 
some of the playoff victories in like the lower level tiers, there was less reward to it as a fan. The Patriots fans sure are so I think that's natural. Patriots fans are greedy though. Like if they if no, if we, <laughs> I, I don't. You're right. Where I don't think I feel the same way, but but. Like if they lose next week, it'll be it'll be like the sky is absolutely falling on them. Oh, and, the, and yet, and yet they're in such uncharted. The thing is, they re- it really is uncharted territory. It is. They've made seven conference championships since the last time any one of these other three teams that are left were in the conference championship. There's never been like an 18 year run like this. They've made 12 out of 17. That to me is just as crazy as seven straight. They made 12 out of 17. It is incredible. Remember how they turned on the team in week one when they were getting crushed yes. by the Chiefs. I mean. All it will take is Get literally one Patricia. bad month, and this fan base will go nuts on their own. Matt Trust Patricia, me. he's he garbage. He gets spoiled. Hey, Dan, I, yes. I cut another call from this game just for you because I know that the, <laughs> the you, radio calls at this mm. point in the season are few and far between uh-huh. you know, as the teams dwindle down. So Fulton's I, getting her tamposi on here. No, like this. Th- this is a great call, and it was actually this, the drive before the uh, touchdown. Are you hitting me with more me Zolak? Oh, yeah. All so right, give me more is, Zolak. This is a classic. Had a screen right for Dan Lewis, makes the grab, gallops to the 45-40, 35 out of a tackle to the 25-20, and shot down from behind at the... He's 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 on two! He's on two! And he ran to the right! Lewis into the end zone, he's in for a touchdown! What a play! The Lions gave up on the play, as did I! We've seen this before with Dion Lewis, his butt is down. down. He's down. He's down. He's down. down. Come on, (laughs) now we get excited for nothing. Zolak. It's like Damn, get excited for nothing. It's yeah, like, right. Yeah, it's like miking up just a guy that's drunk in the bleachers, like at old Fox. Like it's basically like, what if we took a guy that was in the parking lot uh, drinking uh, for years and then made him the color guy for the most successful NFL franchise in modern history? Yeah, totally objective viewer. There's no question about that. Kansas is off watching old Tommy Bohannon clips, so I'm here to tell you that support for today's show comes from an innovative shampoo introducing Control GX, the first gray-reducing shampoo from Just for Men. I really, this really would be the one uh, for Dan Hansis because he's got a little gray, nice, nice uh, set of hair. I mean, the the best hair in the biz, uh, but a little gray, so. Control GX, the first gray-reducing shampoo from Just For Men, could help them out. It helps men look their best so they can celebrate who they are, what they achieve, and how they feel. Who doesn't want to do that? Reducing your gray is as easy as washing your hair with Control GX. You just shampoo it in, you rinse it out, and you move on. And anyone can really figure that out. I mean, if you need instructions to use shampoo, you are in deep trouble. I want our listeners to get 25% off Control GX by using the code AROUND at controlgx.com. That's code AROUND to get 25% off Control GX at controlgx.com. Maybe that's where Hansis is right now using the offer code AROUND at controlgx.com. Get that gray out of your hair. There you go. There you go. That is the divisional round wrap up. What a what a weekend of games. Only three more games. It's been a great playoffs. I mean it was it an unbelievable left. divisional round. It's a good wild card round. And we have three really upstart underdogs you can really get excited about. And then the other guys. Weirdest AFC NFC combination uh, of games that I can ever remember. Give it to me. Give me weird. Give me something weird. different. This is weird? Yeah. I think so. Well, the, the 
people are going to be so. F- I'm I'm already tired of hearing like the Keenum Bortles. Foles and Brady. Oh, like, we get one, it. Which one sticks out? Yeah, yeah, we get. But it. three of them have one does. Three of them have top five defenses. I mean, the the best defensive teams made it into the the conference championships ultimately. How you going to spin? The, and the Patriots. You like, to, you like to spin the Patriots as underdogs almost every week. How you going to spin this? No, I think you're it's sure a, the heavy favorite right now. They are absolutely favorites. I think the Jaguars are as talented a defense and. Uh, the the whole book on how to beat Brady, they are that book. Man-to-man, physical coverage, pressure up the middle, being able to get guys, get pass rush pressure with four, especially on the interior. Like, that's describing the Jaguars, is is the old Giants motto, is the model, is the way that everyone believes that you beat them, the way that the Broncos beat them. So I think it's a they fun— got some I'm excited for that game, and it's not it's nothing like Tennessee, New England. It's a completely different And they're such piece. a weird—they are such a crazy team that any game the Jaguars are in this season, to me, has been compelling. And they don't have the especially playoff experience, one. and they don't care. Cannot like they wait. have a total attitude. Like I do think there's a little bit of a Tom Coughlin effect there. Oh yeah, the they Tom were, Coughlin they effect. They were saying Greg. that he was going absolutely nuts up in the booth the entire time, absolutely beside himself. Even he was, there up he was stuck next nothing. to the reporters. In some stadiums, they put the personnel in the press box, which probably drives Tom Coughlin crazy. But our old friend Jeff Darlington was tweeting about that Coughlin was banging out expletives while the Jaguars were up 21 nothing, just burying the Jaguars. A guy forgotten by the Giants. He's back. I cannot wait to make my lock pick this week. There we go. This is Dan Hans signing off for <laughs> Quiet Storm. I'm not locking you off on that one. <laughs> the old boss, Lindsey Fultime behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.